Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 51st episode, and I am here one day late, mind you, ahead of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Yes, an actual Grand Prix. It's finally here, guys. I apologize for being one day late, but honestly, just that one day off, I don't know if it's just because F1 is finally back, but I am just so energized for this episode right now. I think it's going to be a great one. But before, as I always do, we get into the action. First, a quick reminder, please go to the link tree in the description. It includes links to podcast pages like all the platforms you can find this podcast. It also has my YouTube channel, which I'm still not posting to at the moment. That will be up and running soon. Um, my Twitter and my TikTok are also on there. It has my email address if you'd like to contact me about any opportunity. Um, also, my personal Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, you can find it there. Um, so I've been saving quite a few topics for this specific episode. I had to cut, get kind of creative these past two weeks with just no F1 to talk about at all. So buckle up, guys. This preview is going to be a ride. All right, lots of things to talk about in this preview, but a quick kind of little, really nothing burger of a story um, that I want to uh, address real quick is Carlos Sainz did try to have his penalty in Australia rescinded, um, but there was really no further action at all. They didn't bring any relevant evidence to uh, the table, so it was thrown out pretty much right away. Um, And like I said, I'm absolutely not surprised by that. I still do stand by it being a harsh penalty. And the fact that Ferrari scores no points in that race is kind of wild. Um, And Baku isn't necessarily a place that they've been super strong in the past. So, uh, yeah, um, not looking great for Ferrari. But the big kind of thing that I think a lot of people have high hopes for this weekend is, well, of course, the sprint format, which I will get into as well. But for me, it's, you know, the possible huge upgrade packages that are coming to back you. This has not been a normal, you know, break in the calendar. The summer break is always huge and and kind of boring for F1 fans, I find, at times. But it's a necessary break for the, the teams that work so ridiculously hard on their cars and this grueling schedule. This was just a gap with no racing and they were working at the factory like it was business as usual although maybe it wasn't business as usual because they had no race to prepare for it was just flat out development so i thought i would go through every single team on the grid and share with you guys and this i had to do a lot of research here okay so this is not just me talking out of my ass this is seriously what i have found each team is bringing to um to Baku in terms of upgrades and if I haven't found anything they've either kept their cards extremely close to their chest or there are suspicions about kind of what is going on Um, so I'll start at the top of the table with Red Bull reports say they are bringing upgrades and it could be two tenths of a second I really don't want to talk about it because that will just put me into a further depression I don't really actually have full information about what those upgrades are except they're just very optimistic um so let's move on from red bull before we get really sad about them getting faster mercedes a little bit more to talk about here and not actually as much about upgrades it's actually about a personnel change james allison is back as mercedes technical director 
as Mike Elliott, who was the technical director, is actually going to Allison's former role of chief technical officer. I know that really sounds tomato-tomato. Um, <laughs> they sound like the exact same role. Um, and they're even calling it a leadership reshuffle. But, um, you know, James Allison was, a, well, he has been a part of Mercedes, but he was um, the technical director there for a long time. Um, is I, want, I don't want to say the mastermind because I feel like Mercedes has always been a unit, not, you know, one guy. And I'm not, I feel like I'm kind of alluding to, you know, Adrian Newey just leading the way at Red Bull, which isn't the case either. All F1 teams are a unit. Um, but Allison really is um, a technical genius. And to uh, have him back in the full-time role is just going to be great for Mercedes. Now, Mike Elliott did not get fired. He is still a chief technical officer at the team. And Allison actually even told F1 Nation that they just believe that actually their strengths just suit the other role better. They think Mike Elliott is more um, of a long-term uh, asset to, because that's kind of what the chief technical officer does. It's more of like an overarching job and like all parts of the company or at least the racing unit. Um, like, you know, uh, Allison in the technical uh, role was only like day-to-day on the actual runnings of the F1 team. And he was actually a part of like the America's Cup sailing project. Like he was doing some different stuff where now um, like Elliot's been razor focused on just the F1 team. And now that's what Allison will be doing. Apparently this shuffle happened actually a few weeks ago and it only came to light recently. So that could potentially mean that some Mercedes developments down the line, not like they have, I'll just get right into it. They have a huge um, upgrade package planned for Imola. Allison will have no effect on that. It'll, he, I mean, he's he's been around the F1 team, so he would have still had input on the upgrade, but it ultimately would have been Elliott's call. And that is not, you know, going to be affected. This will be like later season developments where we might start to see Allison work um, a little better. And especially um, they might just have him, you know, get going right away on the 2024 car I wouldn't be surprised about that either but anyway you know Allison has had oversight of the 2022 design um he just wasn't in overall control so it's not like him coming in is going to fix all their problems but anyway getting to Mercedes upgrades there actually isn't much to report here it has been probably the most reported team in terms of when upgrades are coming and everything and I mean everything is just pointing to Big changes coming soon, but for Imola and not Baku. So don't expect a hugely different Mercedes this weekend. Um, in fact, I don't think Baku is going to suit them very well, and I'm not really expecting a great weekend for Mercedes. But anyway, let's go into Aston Martin. Um, so they apparently um, have upgrades coming soon, um, but again, Imola is reportedly the big target for them. What they're bringing to Baku is a low drag rear wing, which a lot of teams are going to be bringing a low downforce package to Baku because of the hugely, massively long straight in in Sector 3. And, you know, top speed is where they've been struggling. They are a bit draggy. They produce an incredible amount of downforce. So hopefully if they can get a little creative with the rear wing like they did last year, I know that wing got outlawed. Um, But who knows, maybe a low drag rear wing really actually brings the most out of this package and maybe they'll be really strong here. They do have high hopes for Monaco, obviously, because they don't need their top speed there at all. They think they can be effective around a street circuit and that is 
kind of what Baku is for two sectors. It's just that third sector where you really, really need the top speed or else you're going to be just caught out in the race massively. Um, but it's also worth noting for Aston Martin because I don't have um, anything really coming to Baku besides that uh, low downforce package. Um, or I, have I said low downforce this whole time? I've, I've been meaning to say low drag, guys. I apologize. Low drag rear wing, of course. Um, it is kind of low downforce, but it, I meant more so low drag. Um, anyway, they have more wind tunnel time than their competitors, even McLaren and Alpine. So, like, just ca- kind of keep that in mind. You know, they, they're kind of going up against the Ferrari and the Mercedes, and they have more wind tunnel time than midfield teams. So their upgrades should be swift and effective. Um, and we'll see how that, you know, package looks come Imola when they apparently bring a pretty significant upgrade. Now, Ferrari, this is one where I had higher hopes for big upgrades for Baku, um, but I'm actually not so sure we'll get it now. Um, what it's kind of seeming like is, is just, you know, some parts, again, that they're going to need for Baku to, you know, maximize the, the low drag setup. Um, I haven't heard or have heard that any updates related to the direct development, um, an increase in downforce. Cause that's what, you know, the, the Ferrari car is really trying to address. Uh, those things are actually to come after Baku. They have a concept change coming. It's just not coming this weekend. Um, I think what's possible is maybe we get a piece of, you know, that concept change come this weekend and not, you know, it all come at once whenever it eventually does um but yeah again i just really thought ferrari would maybe be the one front running team to have a big upgrade on the go and it actually doesn't seem like that'll be the case so already i'm through you know the big four teams and it doesn't seem like any of them are really bringing anything substantial to baku however they have still been working like you know all these teams have been working really hard and upgrades will be coming very soon, especially during these European races. I wouldn't expect anything huge come to Miami. So let's move on to McLaren because they are the one team that we can have high hopes for and maybe a massive change in the pecking order. They have been teasing the, quote, real MCL60 since Bahrain. And, you know, their up- aero upgrades f- for basically the beginning of the season. I say real MCL60 because... They're basically the car that they've been racing with these past three, you know, Grand Prix, these past three weekends. They're saying that that's not even their, you know, real car of 2023. So this is their real car and it's finally coming to back you. If there's not a visible difference on this car, there should at least be better performance because they have a new floor coming. Um, if they don't perform better here, I would be slightly worried. Um, I do think. Again, if there's not a visible difference, it will look different at some point. But this is the first massive step that McLaren is taking um, in terms of upgrading their car that's been kind of a disaster so far to start the season. But I mean, if they're basically running a car that isn't, you know, their real car, they're calling it kind of B-Spec. They have done pretty decently. Like picking up that haul of points in Australia is actually going to bode huge for them if they can, you know, actually bring a good upgrade here and, you know, move forward for the rest of the of the year and maybe potentially challenge Alpine for those final point scoring positions all season. So speaking of which, let's go into Alpine. They 
have, uh, and this is a quote, have a decent size upgrade coming for Baku. And that was surprising. This is according to Otmar Safnar. That is a quote from him. So if you're going to believe anyone in the Alpine leadership, um, he is the one that I don't think would be uh, telling the media a lie. And I would say, honestly, under his leadership, I have a little bit more faith in their ability ability to develop. I feel like Alpine has come out of the gate some years um, pretty well and then just kind of stagnated, where I was actually pretty impressed with them last year. Um, so, you know, I do think it's kind of strange that their goal is like, in his quote, he was like, we're going to be challenging with the Mercedes. Like, you know, there's three really close teams in that tier you're just going after mercedes that's kind of you know odd to me their goal to me should be to beat aston martin because you know mercedes Ferrari, red bull have been kind of the big three teams in the sport for quite some time and aston's the one that just surpassed them so i think they should be trying to get back ahead of them but i don't know it's kind of just a weird goal but i will say some of the reports coming out about this upgrade coming for for alpine have been extremely optimistic saying that you know if it's not just this one upgrade for Baku their upgrades over the next few races could bring them six tenths of a second that is massive so we'll see if they make a step this coming weekend I don't actually have details about what those changes will be I can only assume it is going to be something on the floor um, because something that substantial you think would have to come from the floor so we'll also see if they if we have any visible difference. Um, you know, the side pod has been so overhyped because of the Mercedes and Ferrari. You know, their side pods look so very different to Red Bulls and they're down on pace. But the side pods, again, I will stress, is not where the pace comes from. It is just a part of the entire aerodynamic package. The floor upgrades are the big ones. And that is why everyone is so hyped for this McLaren upgrade. I imagine the Alpine will probably look similar something will be going on underneath that car that is bringing them the pace. So Haas, this is a hard one because this is the one team where I felt is keeping their cards closest to their chest. And there actually are some reports about Haas upgrades, but it is just about how they finally feel because of like their adjustment to the cost gap that they can actually attack upgrades on like past seasons. I still think that maybe expecting an upgrade in round four from a team like Haas is a bit asking too much but if you know Gunther is in the media saying that this is the first year they feel like they can really you know try to develop at like a normal midfield car's pace instead of doing what they had to do last year like they brought one upgrade it was a big one they brought one upgrade and it didn't really seem to help the car that much so I think it's possible to see an upgrade from Haas this weekend I wouldn't bet on it but it's possible, and I think maybe Imola is the better bet. You know, Haas is mostly based in Italy. Um, that would make sense for me if they were to bring an early season upgrade. Uh, but like I said, Gunther didn't reveal anything about what possibly could be coming. He just said that they can attack, which is exciting. But if I had to put my money on it, I don't think they'll have anything this weekend. Alfa Romeo. This is probably the most boring one. They actually brought a noticeable upgrade to Melbourne. It wasn't huge. It was just their nose and their front wing. Um, And team principal Alessandro Aluni Bravi, I know on a previous episode, it was a few ago, I I could not remember his name. So there we go. I wrote it down. 
he said um, upgrades are coming for Baku. Um, but, you know, in that same interview, he just mentioned that there's going to be minor upgrades, you know, throughout the season instead of one big one. So I wouldn't expect much here. It's probably what he's referring to is honestly probably just the same thing as I've said for um, a few of the teams. They're probably just going to be parts for a low drag track. So Alpha Tauri, um, they actually made the biggest changes in Australia, just not the most noticeable ones. They brought a floor to Australia, and I didn't even know that. Um, did they look a little bit more competitive? Maybe. I mean, Sonoda was okay, but DeVries was kind of nowhere. I would still say they didn't look great. Um, but I do think because they brought such a substantial package to you know Australia, I, I wouldn't expect anything here in Baku. Again, probably some low downforce parts. Um, and also, Alvatari is just not a very heavily covered team in the media, so I really have nothing else for you on that one. Um, I, I think Imola could maybe be another one because, you know, Alvatari is so close to the track at Imola with their uh, um, team there in Faenza. So I think even if it's not a big upgrade, look look out for Alvatari in, uh, in Imola. Last one, Williams. This is, an, this is an easy one. It's a boring one, but it's an easy one. They're not going to have upgrades here, guys. They will not have a strong development pace, similar to Haas, kind of the point I made with them, except Williams even less so. Um, a big upgrade this early in the season would be a massive, massive surprise. Um, no one is talking about Williams upgrades at the moment because I think everyone kind of knows the deal with them and it's, it's just it's just not going to be coming. Um, but expect them to be quick in Sector 3. <laughs> that that low drag setup of the Williams has been rapid through uh, some some sections so far this this season um, when you know they don't actually have to turn the car uh, when they're flat out Williams is quick when they have to hit the brakes they are slow um, but anyway the racing at the Baku City Circuit awaits we're finally getting to the preview of the action. Um, I would say this is the first proper street track of the season. I know Jeddah certainly counts as one, and Melbourne kind of technically qualifies as one as well. Um, but it, none of them are, seem like true street tracks like Baku. I know Jeddah 100% is one. I just feel like because of how the track is laid out, it just doesn't feel like it has that same like slow, twisty, turvy, high jeopardy – Well definitely does have high jeopardy but it's it's more so like the slow and twisty turns really tight although jet is really tight too i don't know maybe me if you guys think i'm crazy that i don't really feel like jet is a street circuit then you know that's fine but baku to me feels like okay this is this is legit street track and maybe maybe it's because jetta actually has a smooth service and baku is pretty rough uh, especially it was last year anyway i think this is kind of wild Azerbaijan is round four this year. Last year, it was round eight. Um, and if you guys don't remember, the Ferrari pain was already well underway. Back-to-back uh, -back races, Leclerc had DNF'd from the lead um, in Spain and then was the victim of the massive strategy L in Monaco. So they were coming off two horrendous weekends. And then what do they do? They have to answer back to Red Bull on this one. And they double DNF. This was kind of the beginning of the end or am i saying that right is it the beginning of the end no i wouldn't say it's the beginning of the end it was just 
the midst of the horror for for Canada. <laughs> for Canada. What am I talking about? I was about to move on to Canada. It was the midst of the horror for Ferrari, and then they moved on to Canada, and Leclerc had the had the engine penalty, and it just seemed like all was lost at that point. Um, I'll also say this: Baku has a reputation for having just chaotic races, and I really do think the most dull Grand Prix of any last year was Azerbaijan. I think as soon as the Ferraris were done, as soon as Leclerc pulled over, there was absolutely nothing to root for up front anymore. Max had passed Checo. It was over. Um, Russell was in like the safest P3 of all time. He had like 20 seconds ahead of ahead of Lewis and 20 seconds ahead. I mean, Lewis was kind of making some moves to get back to P4. Um, Vettel was kind of battling with, I think it was Ocon... I think it was Ocon or maybe it was Gasly and then he went off. Like I have a memory for what actually happened in this race because those were the only things that happened. Like it, that was it. I mean, Gasly and Vettel had decent races. Um Sonoda I think had like they tried to like tape his DRS. Um that was it. <laughs> like I just reviewed the 2022 Azerbaijan Grand Prix for you guys because that's basically how dull it was. Um but Pretty much all sprint races so far since they've been introduced have delivered. Or maybe not the sprints, but the Grand Prix of a sprint weekend has always delivered. And that's what we will have this weekend. It is the first sprint of the season. And we have a new format. And I think this is a really exciting thing to talk about. So let me tell you what it is. If you don't know, I mean, if you follow F1 on Instagram, you will probably have already seen it. Um, But you don't know what my thoughts on it. So, Friday has FP1, although the 1 is very redundant because it is the only practice of the weekend. So, I know that might excite some of you. Um, And then we have race qualifying, like as it would be in any normal weekend. We have that on the Friday. That hasn't changed. Friday and sprint race weekends were... um, the practice session, and then it was qualifying for the sprint race. So what has changed there is that that qualifying is actually going to be for the Grand Prix. So Friday's qualifying sets the grid for Sunday's Grand Prix. And Saturday is basically a completely disconnected event where we have what F1 is calling a sprint shootout. And then we have the sprint race later that day. And I imagine it probably won't be super spread out. Um, but I don't know, I actually haven't seen the exact timings of when things are taking place, but I'll explain what this sprint shootout is. It's pretty similar to a normal qualifying session. We have a 12 minute Q1 on the bottom five are eliminated, but everyone has to run the medium tire. And then the same goes for Q2, except it is 10 minutes. Then we go to Q3. It's eight minutes long. Everyone's on softs for pole position. And that sets the sprint grid only. So that is the sprint shootout. It will go a little bit quicker than the normal qualifying. Um, I imagine maybe there's less time in between to try to fit it all in. Um, but I actually don't know how long a normal Q1 is, but I think it's like 20 minutes. So uh, moving that down to 12 will certainly speed things up. And then, yeah, of course, Sunday, Grand Prix as usual. They will never tweak that part of the weekend just for you know statistics and historical sense. So my thoughts on this um, sprint weekend, I'm excited for it. So I'm not going to completely trash it. Um, but I will say, 
as I kind of mentioned, the Saturday sprint day, as you could basically call it now, it's so disconnected from the weekend. Um, and that is a point that I think the race podcast, who I have mentioned on this podcast many times, um, brilliant, brilliant guys, they pointed out just, you know, how disconnected it is and that I think this is the most important point. There is now no incentive. If you have a bad qualifying in the Saturday sprint shootout and you start 20th, there is basically no incentive for you to even like, take part in the race. If you can't move up grid positions like you used to be able to, right? Like the Saturday sprint race used to set the grid. It had points and it used to set the grid for the race. Points are still the same. You have to finish in the top eight for points. So you're telling me at a, at a you know, a race like Baku, um, where I imagine because the sprint race is always about a third of the distance, it'll be just under 20 laps. It'll be like 18 laps. In 18 laps, you think someone in 20th, even if they have a rocket start, is catching up to the top eight, especially when the top eight is basically, you know, we have four teams that are kind of clear of everyone right now. What in the world do you think, if Nick DeVries starts 20th in the sprint, what the, what is he going to do? Seriously, like, what is he going to do and what does he get out of it? It is basically a practice session. There's not even like a strategy that he can benefit from because no one has to pit. So he will just literally be doing 18 laps in the back being like, well, hope I don't bang up the car for tomorrow's race. Which actually does bring up another point that I want to just quickly go off on a tangent here. I don't know, like, does Park Ferme still, like, is qualifying um, when Park Ferme rules, and are the Park Ferme rules the same? If for those who don't know what I'm talking about, Park Ferme is basically a rule where you set up the car for qualifying, and as soon as you go out on a run for qualifying, your setup is locked. You cannot, you know, go in and completely change um, how you set up the car. But I imagine you bang up the car on the sprint, you're allowed to fix the car. And then when fixing the car, are you able to, you know, tweak the setup? I don't know. I actually don't know. So <laughs> if you guys know, perfect chance to go to the link tree and email me because that would be a, a great way to talk to me. But anyway, back to what I was pointing out about the format. I just think that is that is really silly for like Williams and Alpha Tire drivers to have to take part in this race. Um, when it's, you know, it's also just, they might as well, honestly, well, they can't do that because they, they would have to switch the engine back for the race. But, um, if they could just get away with just like chucking an old engine in there and not having to like waste mileage on it and, and waste a set of tires and stuff, like honestly, just like withdraw from the race and just be like, we're good. You know, we're, we don't need to take part in this. I know anything can happen. It's F1, but I still just think odds are. These drivers in the cockpits, cockpits might even be thinking, well, this is kind of dumb. But maybe because there's nothing to lose and nothing to gain, maybe they'll just go nuts. We'll see. Only time will tell. Let's get into what my prediction is now for the weekend. For pole position for the race, because we have a whole other element to talk about here. For pole position of the race, I'm going to go with Checo Perez. Why not? So many weekends, I'm going to be choosing Max Verstappen this year. I figure the Sultan of the Streets, he's done so well at Baku. Why not choose Checo for this weekend, right? So 
I'm going Checo for pole. Um, but in the sprint shootout, it's basically another qualifying, which I think it is it's only going to be interesting for the midfielders who maybe get affected a little bit by having to run the medium tire. Up front, I still think you know those same teams are going to be in the battle for pole position, and they're going to be on soft, so I don't think anything massive is going to change unless someone makes a big mistake. But even then, that only affects them in the sprint. So I think I feel like qualifying for the sprint is also going to be like, all right, guys, let's just be safe. Um, all we have to do is be in touching distance, and then we can just grab those points and, and go home. You know what I mean? So it, it's it, – I'll say this. For sprint shootout, I think – it, it, it's a weird one to predict because there's just I, – I don't see, like, you know, Checo again. So, I don't know. I'll say Checo is pull for both. He has a stellar start to the weekend. For the sprint, he wins the sprint. He's absolutely buzzing. But then we get to the Grand Prix, and Mac Verstappen beats him to the finish. That is what I'll say. Um, Alonso, he assumes his spot in P3. I really think Mercedes is going to struggle a bit this weekend. Um, and as always, I think what goes on behind kind of the front runners could be very interesting. Um, and that is reflective in my bold prediction, which will be including a bit of qualifying and maybe in this, it's not really a sprint related question, but I guess it can also translate to the sprint. I just think Pierre Gasly has a fantastic weekend. I'll say in one of the qualifying sessions, he beats both a Ferrari and a, and a Mercedes. Um, whether that's the race week, the race quality or the sprint quality, I think he is going to have a stellar weekend. If Alpine's upgrades are as good as they say they are, they will be up there. Gasly's also done extremely well in the past at Baku. So I'm just on Pierre Gasly for having another great weekend after he just, you know, was stellar in Australia. And then it was taken away from him on that last lap. So that is that is it for, for that part of, of the podcast. And I'm bringing a brand new segment to preview episodes. This will now be a fixture on all preview episodes. And things are going to get a little tricky here with five races and six weekends coming up. I actually still haven't decided whether I'm going to go to two podcasts a week or if I'm going to try to squeeze in and make a bigger podcast for reviews and previews. My reviews have been getting longer and I feel like actually all my pod, all my episodes have been getting longer. And it would be really long to try to fit everything that I'm planning on doing this year into a rev- into one episode. So we'll see. I might have to do two, um, but I haven't decided yet. Anyway, let's get to this new segment, and it's called Brad's Bets. So hear me out, guys. I know some of you are probably don't sports bet and you're like oh well this is going to be a boring segment um but promise you i'm still going to make it interesting i've been betting f1 for a while now and honestly the reason i've decided to to start this is because i've had a great start to the year i'm not trying to brag about the money i'm making or anything because i really don't bet a significant amount of money but i have done well um in bahrain i also before the season even started i hit uh, Red Bull for the Constructors Championship, almost at doubling my money, which is insane. And I pretty put 50 bucks on that. So I'm looking at about $100 by the end of the, well, that's including my money back. So winning $50 by the end of the season already, because I think Red Bull is walking away with this at the moment. 
Um, I also, you know, I'm not going to talk about just my wins because it also put a flyer on Charles Leclerc to win the Drivers' Championship, and he is sitting on six points. Um, anyway, I've, I've just I've picked the winner in all three races so far. Um, I know that's not hard to do, but I've put money on it and I've won money off of them. And I've also won some other things. Like in Australia, I had a really stellar weekend. I also picked Ferrari to be the first retirement of the race, and Leclerc beached his Ferrari, and I had a pretty significant win on that. But I figured for the people who do bet and they want to dabble a little bit into F1 because it is a bit of a hard sport to bet on, I figured I'd share my picks for every Grand Prix weekend. So let's ride the bias every weekend is what I'm calling it until I come up with a better name because it's not a very good name. Uh, <laughs> Also, if you are um, going to be kind of riding this wave with me, I apologize if you um, don't use American odds because I do. So if you bet with decimal or fraction, um, I apologize for the confusion, but I'm going to be sticking to American because that's what I know. Also, I use FanDuel and Bet365. So if you use another sports book, some of the bets might not directly apply. Um, but I still think, for the most part, these picks are going to be on most sports books. Um, I just find Bet365, especially, has a lot more to choose from than FanDuel. So there will be sometimes, and you'll see coming up, um, there will be some Bet365 picks that I have to mark as, you know, Bet365 only, because FanDuel doesn't have it. Because um, Formula One's not really um, a huge betting sport, and I don't know any other F1 podcasts that are doing you know betting corners or whatever you want to call them um so i'm gonna make that my thing why not so i have a few picks this week that i like um and i'm not made of money so all these picks that i give i'm not gonna be on them myself um but i you know will have some of them and i'll just start off by saying this this goes for any given weekend if you can get max verstappen winning the grand prix like not pole position, not any other tricky one, just winning the Grand Prix. If you can get him at better than minus 200, I take that almost every weekend. Anything can happen in F1. Checo will win some races. If some of the teams prove that they can get a little bit closer to Red Bull, then everything changes a little bit. But for now, because it's early days and because it seems like sports books have a little bit more respect for Checo than maybe I give him, I like Mac Verstappen every weekend if you can get them better than minus 200. It's low risk and it's low reward, but I'd take it. Anyway, now let's get into kind of more of my real picks. There's a couple guys this week that I really love for just straight up points finishes. Not a super exciting bet, but I think their odds are fantastic. And especially this first one, Oscar Piastri. He is plus 220 to just score a points finish. The McLaren upgrades could be massive. There's only two spots right if if the top four um all all top four teams i should say all finish the race they all score points there's only two spots left they could easily both be alpines piastri also has Lando norris to contend with and then there's hasses that can have good weekends so it's definitely not a guarantee but at plus 220 at over triple your money if this mclaren upgrade is as good as it's going to be I think we might be able to get a steal on McLaren right now. Um, I've certainly been picking McLaren a lot in Grid Rival um, because they're still very low priced. And the other one, just because he has been there or thereabouts every single weekend um, so far, and you know he's getting no respect because of the car he's in, is Yuki Sonoda. He's plus 300, so that is 
four times your money just for him to finish in the points. And this is for the Grand Prix, by the way, not for the sprint. Um, I think also there are there is an opportunity here, which actually segues perfectly into my only bet three six five bet, which is a long shot, but I really like it. So I'll just get into it, and you'll I'll explain the kind of ties into my Piastri and Sonoda picks too. The qualifying being on Friday and there being only one practice leading into it opens up a little bit of an opportunity for some teams to capitalize if they get their setup right right away. So that can open up, you know, possibilities, especially now because the sprint used to kind of nullify that uh, those, you know, qualifying mistakes on the Friday because you would always have the sprint to be able to get back to the position that you kind of belong in. But now that the Friday sets the grid for the race and, you know, the sprint has no effect on that, we might have a bit of a wonky grid, even without grid penalties and whatnot. Like the McLarens, they, they you know, have a great setup ready to go for qualifying. They could be right up there. And, you know, if Mercedes doesn't nail it or Ferrari doesn't nail it, they could struggle. So I think the fact that Charles Leclerc, who has been on pole here, in the past, and has actually always performed extremely well at Baku, Ferrari can still qualify. They have some new parts coming this weekend. Um, Red Bull's just not a great qualifying car. The fact that you can get Leclerc for plus 3,300 for a pull of the Grand Prix is insanity. I would be hitting that right now, guys. I mean, that is just, those odds are way, way, way too long. Regardless of it being, you know, it's always a long shot to pick against Red Bull for any pull or any win at the moment. If any, if there's anything that another team is going to be able to pull off, it's a pull position. If there's anyone who can do it, it's the best qualifier on the grid in Leclerc. Ferrari has had a terrible start to the season, but they can still qualify. They're, they're not a slow car. And it's at a track that Leclerc has always done well at. I don't see why... This is plus 3,300. It is wild to me. So some of you might be like, well, that's just a donation. No one's going to, I don't even care. You know, that is 34 times your money. If you put a dollar on that, you win a $34. Like I'd put a dollar on it. <laughs> like, Are you serious? Um, so if you're also willing to part ways with your money a little bit more, I feel like that is a huge opportunity for a big win. Um, if you're like me and you kind of keep it for fun and a little bit lower, that is something to just take a flyer on. I think that is just a wild uh, odds for me. Um, and then the last one, I don't love this one, and I certainly am not going to be betting on it myself, but I do think there is an interesting one here. You can bet on which grid position will be the winner of the Grand Prix, and I think second is a pretty decent bet for this one. Um, it's plus money, and you know there's definitely a good chance that Checo does take pole position, and then Max wins the race, or... Even Max takes pole position, retires, and Checo wins the race. I, th I just think that there's still a very good chance for second place to win. Um, it happened. Actually, no, Max Verstappen was third last year. Yeah, Leclerc and Checo were the front row. So, yeah, I just think if Max Verstappen ends up being second in qualifying, you know, there's, there's you know, a likely win from second position right there. So that's another one that you can do. Anyway, that's going to do it for the first segment of Brad's Bets and... For the whole podcast, we've been going 40 minutes already. 
I am so excited. It, it flew by. I, I honestly, I, I've had so much fun this episode. I'm so glad that F1 is back. I am buzzing right now for some F1 Sprint Weekend too. This might be a fantastic weekend, and I'm really hoping it is. Before I go, check the link tree. My basement is still mangled, so pray for your boy. That is going to do it for episode 51 of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I will be back with episode 52 next Monday. Not Tuesday, Monday, to review the first sprint weekend of the year. Finally, F1 is back. Goodbye.